This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Wednesday, July 8th, 2020, and my guest is Carolina Milanese. Hi, Carolina. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? So good to be back. Yes, thanks for coming back on the show. I would love to hear your perspective on a whole bunch of things <laughs> that I think folks like you analysts are really good at digging into. Uh, you saw the topics list. The big news, of course, is going to be the Nord this week, the OnePlus Nord. What a name. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I, I'm glad they didn't go all, you know, Kim Kardashian West with the, with the name and it's actually Nord. It's an interesting name because I don't know if they want to signal kind of the direction that they're taking, um, which is interesting because if you think about it from a, you know, they're going more mainstream. And so maybe they should be going south instead of north. Um, but I think that the the concept that they have, uh, and especially if you watch, the, which I'm sure you have, the video that they posted about the research that they done in India. Yeah, I only watched the first episode. I know the second episode just dropped today, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It is fascinating because they, they actually hit on a lot of... Um, points around the differences between specifically the Indian market and the Chinese market. And the the consumers in India are uh, quite, I don't want to use the word demanding, but you know, they want a good return of investment. And they always want to feel that they got a good deal out of the, the money that they spent on their phone. So I'm not sure if Nord reflects, wants to reflect that, you know, the the, the kind of a North Star, the fact that yeah, you the are Nordic getting... Yeah, the Nordic branding is a little counterintuitive to me for the market, the primary market, which is India. But maybe right. this is a trend there right now or something. Because for Europe, I get it. Like, you know, lots of European are going to be on board with Nordic branding, the whole concept of, you know, the Scandinavian countries are known for their design shops and yeah. and, and good taste. I mean, really is. But I feel like um, what's interesting to me is not just the branding, but the marketing. And I want to talk with you about that for a second. However, I want to just kind of dig in the briefly in the news part, which is that on the, you know, on the 7th of July, they finally announced you know, they said that uh, it's launching on July 21, right? So that's the yeah. big news. We're going to know all the great details. I have a feeling that in typical OnePlus fashion, we're going to find out more every day. <laughs> because they've, And let's talk about the marketing. This is kind of insane, right? Nobody cares about mid-range phones normally. Normally, it's true, but it's a different time, both from a you know, kind of a societal perspective, but also from a market point of view, right? The the high end, we've, we've been talking and you and I talked about this before about the saturation of the high end market, um, you know, how replacement cycles are slowing down. And all of a sudden, the mid-tier is the one that is more exciting. And uh, I think there's been a shift in the way that brands are thinking of the mid-tier. You know, I've been covering this this market, sadly, for a very long time. And the mid-tier has always been, okay, this is the flagship. We need to hit this price point. Let's take features away and hit the price point. Yeah. And now you're at a point where the brands are actually 
looking at what matters to consumers in that segment and deliver on the must-haves, which are usually around camera, around screen, uh, and battery. Yeah. You know these three elements, and and deliver that first, and see you know the price point that they they get to, and then see whatever else that they can uh, they can add on top. And also design matters more. You know another thing that a lot of times you you kind of ended up sacrificing with the, with the mid tier was design. It was either you know the the finish or the design. Well, the software too sometimes right absolutely yeah 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 so i feel like like okay like i have not not worried about oneplus making a good phone that's a mid-range phone i'm happy that they're making a mid-range phone because i feel that in these economic times of the pandemic uh, we need more phones that are reasonably priced, especially because of the price hike that flagships have taken in the last two, three years, uh, in part because of the market is going that direction, but also in part because the, the subsidy model in the U.S. still works mostly for people, or at least it was until yeah. the pandemic. And mostly also because, uh, you know, I would just, I would like to say that, that Qualcomm's prices are going up. And if you want the latest and the best, from Qualcomm and your OnePlus who never settles, as you know, uh, typically you want to start with making a phone like they did the 8 and the 8 Pro that is really using those the technology and that doesn't come cheap. Like there is the cheapest Snapdragon 865 phone that you can buy in the world right now, I think is an IQ, IQOO, which is a sub-brand of Vivo. And it's sold in China only for 395 US dollars. That's 865, 5G. And the next cheapest after that is the Pocophone F2 Pro or Redmi K30 Pro, which I have one. I have a review unit. That's a $500 Snapdragon mm -hmm. 865 5G phone. And, you know, in those markets, to hit those price points is not unexpected. They subsidize the phones to some extent with, you know, ad revenue and, and also like an ecosystem, right? They have all these accessories and products they sell. And I think the India market is really interesting and we should talk about that because I think that it's kind of a hybrid between what we're seeing in China and what we're seeing in the West, but also very specialized to their needs. And their needs, as you said, are very demanding. They want very little compromise at the cheapest price and with first Redmi and now Realme, which is Oppo, an Oppo brand that's really successful in India uh, and Redmi being a Xiaomi brand, we're seeing some incredible competition. Yeah. And of course, OnePlus wants a piece of that they, and they can't compete with an 865. So, you know, it's a mid-range phones really. Is it really a mid-range phone though? Because a 765 is not a mid-range chip in my opinion. That's right. No, it, it isn't. And I think that's where things are getting more complicated. Um, and I'm sure marketing is not necessarily going to help consumer. consumers make the, the right decision. But, you know, a lot of this is going to end up on the carriers and the carriers' choices, right? Uh, you know, one of the big disappointments about the Nord is that that kind of promise that they're, they, they are selling is not going to come to the U.S. But at it least can't for now. really, right? Can it? Like that, I want it to be, but... Well, it depends what the carriers would like. You know, right now, I feel that the carriers here in the U.S. are still trying to milk 5G as much as they can and with it, uh, focusing on the high end. The reality is also that coverage, uh, you know, it, it still 
you know, very spotty in, in the US. And, and uh, we're not at the point where there's mass market uh, needs yet. Um, but I think as we, which is different in markets like China, of for course, sure. Yeah. Right? So, you know, right now, it's, uh, we don't have a lot. And uh, the people that are prepared to pay for it have the money to pay for it. So let's get the focus and keep it on the high end. But, you know, I would say a year on from now, year and a half, things will start to change. And so, um, you know, the the timing of when the mid-tier will come here versus just Europe and, and uh, Asia uh, from a 5G perspective would be really interesting. I, it's funny when I hear you speak like about the market here in the US, I feel like you're talking about six months ago. Because in my head, I'm not in the same place as you are. In my head, I'm in a place where in most urban and suburban parts of the US, T-Mobile has coverage. Now, it's no faster than 4G, but it exists. It's there. It's um, a little lower latency and a little more penetration into buildings. So it's beneficial to the end consumer. And I'm also at a place where the average consumer can't, even with the subsidies right now that the carriers are really pushing, can't really afford it. So I feel like I feel like there's a delayed reaction in the market as to what reality is out there and what is But the, I think that's the point, right? Is I agree with everything you said. That is the reality, but that's not what the consumer that is going out to buy a phone sees in terms of value add to the purchase, right? And and I think that if you're looking at the the availability of devices, um the the US is always been especially over the past 2 to 3 years more focused on uh, the high end just because that's what the carriers want. Um, you know, the, the availability, if you're looking at what Samsung has done, uh, you know, with the A-series and uh, and the phones that are coming with with um, 5G already as, mm-hmm. as an A-series, uh, yeah. um, is a proof that that is possible. How often you see that getting much airtime from a mar- an advertising perspective uh and in in stores and so forth is it you know i think is a uh, reflects the sentiment that you know we are just ticking the box and and also i would say there's a big difference between say Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile oh, right for T-Mobile sure. has always been uh way more um open to brands and to a, a, a broader variety of uh phone models as well so yeah, yeah. so we're going to see what this phone looks like on the 21st of July i have a theory as you know OnePlus is part of BBK group and yeah. BBK Group is also Oppo and Vivo and their sub-brands, yeah. which are Realme and IQ. And I think that's it for now. Um, so the question is, will the OnePlus Nord be a rebranded Oppo Reno 3 Pro 5G, which is a model available in India and other markets, which is basically a Snapdragon 765 phone, I think it's 765G with 5G, with a dual front camera, which is what the uh, Nord is supposed to have, and a quad, I can't remember, rear camera system at a price point of less than 500 US dollars. I have a feeling that we're going to see exactly what happened with the Oppo Find X2 Pro, which is a more luxurious version of the OnePlus 8 Pro, 
in the OnePlus Nord. They're going to take the Oppo Reno 3 Pro 5G and slightly decontent and maybe put three instead of four cameras in the back and you'd be very aggressive on pricing and use their marketing chops to make this a OnePlus phone. Look, at the end of the day, I think that wouldn't be a bad move, no, right? No, no, <laughs> in terms no absolutely of, not. In terms of leveraging the powerhouse that they have at their disposal and the economies of scale that uh, doing something like that would allow them to do from a price point perspective. I do hope, though, that um, you know what matters at the end of the day to the consumer is that look and feel. Because the people that look at the DA Plus and, and that's what they want to to buy and cannot afford that and therefore will look at the Nord, want to feel like they have a OnePlus phone. And I think the software will be the big differentiator here. Absolutely. Apple's software is very good now. ColorOS has gotten really good with the Find X2 Pro. Uh, this new version is much more uh, palatable to kind of like, you know, our taste in the West in terms of not being as much of a copycat of the iPhone experience, <laughs> yeah. uh, like in terms of the skinning. But at the same time, OnePlus, is, Oxygen OS has always been a better experience. And you're right, yeah. if they can hit... Um, it's interesting, you know, I have the Oppo Reno 3 Pro, but I don't have the 5G version. There's a 4G version that's only sold in India, and that's the one I have. MediaTek sent it to me. It's got a Helio P95 on it. And that phone is very affordable and very premium feeling and looking. And I'm pretty sure it's very similar to the Nord, except that, you know, the difference in chips and 5G support. And here's what I found. They cut corners very interesting places. They have no <laughs> NFC, for example, because in India it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Yeah. And they have plastic um, instead of metal and glass. Um, I, I'm not sure if the back is actually glass or plastic. It could be a glass but the the frame definitely feels and looks if you go if you pay close attention i give at first it feels premium but if you look carefully it's actually plastic so i think plastic there, has come a long way oh for sure so, yeah. i would be surprised if one plus one plastic that's kind of unlike them so we'll see what happens but i'm really excited about this nord i'm hoping to get my hands on one and if i do i might switch from my one plus eight pro which is my daily driver right now to to see what life is like with the same company's product uh, at a half price point, basically, right? Almost. Yeah. yeah uh, we don't yeah. know the price on the Nord, but we know it's sub 500. And we know that the OnePlus 8 Pro that I have is an 899 or 999 phone, depending on what version you buy. I'm pretty sure I have the 999 version right now because they gave me the best one to review. And yeah. uh, and I'm I'm spoiled, right? I have the fastest, nicest, pretty much phone money can buy today in my pocket. Uh, one of them, one of the probably top five in the world. So I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do this experiment because I'm honestly feeling like I don't need a flagship anymore. But see, that's a, that is what is fascinating to me right now, because, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, that one of the aside from being tactical as far as the features that are not needed. So, you know, like NSC, the other thing that you mentioned earlier was software. And and now a lot of the software, um, if you're not, you're, obviously, if you don't have issues from a processing perspective on, on the phone, can run across the board and give you the experience that you want and, and supplement in a lot of cases, even the, the camera capabilities, right? And so I, it's interesting how when, um, you know, I, I try and, and go down in the price point and I've done that 
you know, last year for a while I was using the Pixel uh, 3a. Oh, it's fantastic, my, right? My main phone is a great phone. Um, you know, I tried the the TCL uh, 10 mm -hmm. that just came out um, a few, was this two months ago? Two months, months ago, ago, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good experience. You know, there's so much now that you look and, and the combination of software doing some of that heavy lifting and, you know, the, the improved um, design on the hardware side, it will make a lot of people happy. Um, and, you know, to your point earlier. Yeah, and that's why it's so disappointing we're not going to see it in the U.S. Even if, yeah. I, I mean, I feel that they're worried that the carriers are going to be mad by them cannibalizing the OnePlus 8, which is yeah. the only carrier phone, right? Yeah, because and that's exactly my point, right? It's just greediness. Whatever that phone's going to be, let's say it's 450, right? The Nord in... in when it when it's announced the pricing let's say it's for yeah. i don't know let's say it's 450 even if they sold it in the us for 550 right they'd be cannibalizing potentially the eight which the carriers would be mad so that's yeah. i think the only reason why they're not bringing it because everybody needs and wants that phone right now that and the pixel 4a which is missing in action we're going to talk about that in a minute but i feel <laughs> like I feel like this is my but this is my thing like like carolina you were in hawaii you remember this they announced the 865, Qualcomm did, when we were there in December. And yeah. then they announced the 765 at the same time. And I believe we all looked at each other going, great, we got choices. They can make a really high-end phone with a separate radio and go all nuts, and we're going to see some flagships of that. And then they can also make 765 phones that are going to be more yeah. affordable and, and kind of maintain the you know, kind of maintain the price point around 750 or so, right? That's kind of what I had in mind. And not not 1,000, but 750, which for the US, right? But then we never saw a single 765 phone for a while and not even abroad, never mind in the US. And then now we don't, we're not seeing them in the US. They've been announced though, whereas they're finally dropping in. We have the TCL 10 5G, by the way, the, yeah. I reviewed the TCL 10, the non-5G version, the two, the Pro and the L on hot hardware. So check that out. But I feel like, they're all coming, but to me, it's six months too late. It's like, oh, not six months, because then I know the chips were announced. But when we started seeing the 865s, like the V60 and stuff, around February, March, around MWC when it didn't happen. That's right. We should have started seeing 765 in the carrier stores in the US, yet I really feel like it was artificially held back from us because we know the Velvet's coming to the US somehow, and that's a 765G phone from LG. The Galaxy A71 was just announced. Yeah. Well, it was announced for T-Mobile as a regular low-band 5G phone a little while ago, but it's now coming to Verizon as a custom version with... Uh, millimeter wave when we talk about the millimeter wave tax in a second but so it's starting to happen and then we have also uh you know some some other phones that like the tcl 10 5g so we have phones that are coming but yet it's not the floodgates i was expecting and and again as as, as you said i feel like they're just artificially keeping things inflated for their profit margins yeah. and somehow people are yet not quite understanding that going to get that subsidy on that Galaxy S20 is actually going to hurt them financially in, the, in that two-year period they're going to be with that carrier, where they would be perfectly well served by Galaxy A71 or TCL 10 5G or a OnePlus Nord if it came here or the Velvet when it finally comes. Hopefully, it's more affordable than the price in Korea because it's pretty pretty expensive right there. But I really think that the carriers are continuing to milk the way that the U.S. consumers have been looking at this market for 
from the very beginning, you know, coming from Europe, and you know that too. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in Europe, people have always picked their phone and then found the, the carrier that would give them the best deal from a data and, and uh, you know, and voice perspective. Yeah, this whole from a cost. thing. Yeah. And, and here, we never had that. If you don't mind, I have a rant. I bought an <laughs> iPhone SE for my spouse, Theo, in, uh, when it came out. And I couldn't get it from Apple because they were sold out. So I bought it from T-Mobile, which is our carrier. I bought it full price from them. And they won't unlock it for me. Oh, wow. And the reason they won't unlock it for me is because we haven't actually used it for 40 days. Like, we just started using it. So the SIM has to be in the phone for 40 days. I thought it was just you put the SIM in. Like, the day I got it, I put the SIM in for a minute. I registered on the network and I figured, okay, my 40 days are counting now. Because first of all, it's ridiculous that I paid full price for a phone on T-Mobile. Right. And so why lock I've you I've been in? a customer for 20 years in good standing. I have two lines and I can't get it unlocked instantly, number one. So 40 days, right. fine. I'm willing to play the game. We're not going anywhere. It's COVID, right? It's not, we're not traveling. <laughs> we don't need to unlock this phone right now. So, but I put the SIM in and I figured 40 days would be good. We then actually, you started using the phone every day, like a few days ago. And guess what? They won't unlock it because they say, oh, you haven't been using the phone for 40 days. The SIM hasn't been in there for 40 days. I love T-Mobile. I'm not going to move. I love, I love their pricing. I love their marketing. I, I love the coverage in the areas that I'm in. It's really good in terms of performance in particular. I love their mm-hmm. 5G network, which I use every day on my OnePlus 8 Pro. I just feel like, like you're nickel and diming me here, T-Mobile. I paid yeah. full price for an iPhone SE and I can't get it unlocked right away. Or even after 40 days of actually use it nonstop for 40, like, come on. And so this is the kind of stuff that is leading to yeah. us not seeing 765s. It's the nickel and yep. diming because I actually feel that most people out there would be perfectly served with a 765 phone. Oh, I totally agree. I think we finally reached the point where the 7 Series of chips from Qualcomm is good enough, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially if you're not... Look, there obviously are features that are hardware-driven that make sense in a high-end phone, and there are going to be people that will always be happy to pay that extra price, right? The extra premium. But for the majority of, of consumers, the cameras now are good enough with the yeah. uh, help of software and battery life is good enough um the screens are you know good and reliable and those are the things that still matter to most people and if you are one of the vendors that keep up with the, with the software update you have that playing for you as well so it's a very different market but and that's why when you go to Europe where you have a much more diverse set of customers between you know prepaid and postpaid um, between unlocked and and not and uh, you see so much more variety in the models and the brands that is is so refreshing um to to realize and see what's out there and it keeps the competition not just from a from a carrier perspective but obviously from a brand point of view on the hardware side um much more on their toes which is benefiting than the the final customers absolutely and so it's interesting to me because you know at the same time, Carolina, here in the US, the iPhone SE has been a great success and it's been yes. adopted with open arms by carriers. 
So I, I think there is room for carriers to sell good phones and the 3A proved that as well. I would like to think that Google sold more phones than OnePlus last year, which surprised the crap out of me. And I think that is in great part due to the 3A. Oh, there's no question about it. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that the for Google, the channel still remains a problem. And I don't know why we haven't seen the 4A yet, um, because this is the time. This is, you know, it's just the perfect time where I I mean, feel... it's been the perfect time for three months, since May. Like, they should have launched oh, well, this in yes, May. Yes, that's what I mean. And, and you know, it's funny, <laughs> Rene Ritchie was on the show last week, and he, he made that joke that I put in the topics email for you that he joke he said mountain view somebody lost the keys in mountain view they can't find the four they can't start it <laughs> and it's kind of true like i feel that way um and and so um i want to tie it all back a little bit so we talked about the OnePlus nord it's launching july 21st we'll know more soon i think we're all collectively really excited about it before we leave that topic and go to the next i want to i mean we've already dabbled some of the topics but i want to kind of like consolidate the nord discussion a little bit and ask you, like, isn't it magical how OnePlus has managed to make a to make a mid-range phone exciting? Like to me, that's exciting because I actually love mid-range phones. I feel that in the last two years we've had some really good mid-range phones, and a lot of people have no idea they even exist. And of course, this is yeah. not coming to the US, but I think that there is so much brouhaha, even in the US, about this Nord that I got to give them. Their PR strategy is, is gold. It's amazing. But I think, you know, although it looks, you know, like a, a PR strategy, and I'm sure it is at some level, but I think the underlying reason why this feels so special is that OnePlus is not thinking about this as a mid-range phone. And, and that's the problem with the other vendors, right? So right. even with Samsung and DA series, I, it was almost like, well, I'm not sure if we want to talk about it, right? And, and DA series is the best-selling series in Europe for Samsung, you know, collectively. So there's obviously proof that there's demand for these devices, but it's always been a little bit the... Okay, let's let's not talk about something that is not the best. And I think that with Nord, what what OnePlus is really doing in saying this is the best that you can buy for a price point, right? right. So it's not second best to the flagship. This is it. this is your flagship. If this is what you want, if you know a high return on investment, if you want value for money. This is it. And so why treat it like a, a kind of a second class citizen when yeah. it comes to the way we talk about it? And I think that's what creates the magic that you're talking about. And, and I feel there's also like they're doing a perpendicular marketing technique here, it feels like, you know, it's like it's not a pair. It's not on the same parallel line as the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro. You know, if you draw a line where the left point is zero and that's the cheapest phone, the worst phone you can buy. And the, the right of the line is the flagships, right? The OnePlus Nord technically is somewhere, you know, three quarters of the way up. But they're not putting it in that perspective. They're, they're basically plotting an, an, another line going perpendicular away from that, going, we're our own thing and we're good in that thing. Yeah. Or like a parallel line, I guess. And and I love yeah, that. Yeah, and I think that's how you should look at it. And totally. I don't understand how nobody's done that before. 
<laughs> I mean, even Apple concedes, yeah, we, we made a cheaper iPhone and we compromised on only one thing, really, and that's the display and maybe the battery life. The camera is a minor compromise, but not much. The processor certainly isn't a compromise. And everybody bought it because why wouldn't you? It was an amazing, and the timing couldn't have been better, right? Which is also yeah. why I'm so vexed about the Pixel 4a not coming out around that time. But yeah, the Nord is exciting. Um, let's also button up quickly the, the Samsung A71 for Verizon because the, the millimeter wave thing is something I want to talk with you about. The, um, I call it the millimeter wave tax. Actually, I didn't come up with that. Uh, Sasha Segan came up Sasha, with that. Sasha, yeah. And I think he's completely right. Like, I understand Verizon's predicament, if you want to call it a predicament, because obviously they make a lot of money, right? They, they're yeah, fine. but they got themselves into it too. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and for those of you who have listened to the show for a long time, you understand what's going on here. But for those who don't, there are three tiers of, of 5G. There is high band, mid band, and low band. You know, mid-band and low-band is what is easiest to implement. And then there's high-band, which is called millimeter wave, or, or Verizon calls it ultra-wideband. And that is um, much harder to implement. And I'm only going to get into the technical details because this is not what the show is about, just to give you a preface. So Verizon only has that high-band right now. They only have the millimeter wave stuff to, to, to advertise as 5G. And because it's uh, expensive to, to roll out, and it's very, the, the, the frequencies are very high, so the penetration is very poor into buildings. Basically, you know, you have to be outdoors within a block of a tower or so to get signal. Balancing on one foot, touching your exactly. nose. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> It's going to get better, but that's an, it's super interesting technology. It's super, it's the future. There's no doubt about it. Eventually, they'll get it right and it'll be great. But it requires you to have cell sites at every block and it doesn't go into buildings very well. And that's why 5G is three different bands because they complement each other. You have right. low band, which is what T-Mobile has rolled out countrywide and AT&T to some extent, which basically covers, it's very much like LTE. It's just LTE on steroids. It's not that fast, but it works much better than LTE. And then you've got mid band, which really works well in urban areas, but not, not needed to have a cell tower every block. And then there is millimeter wave, which basically is ideal for airports, indoors, where you can put a repeater, basically like Wi-Fi, in every every 200 meters or something. And then you have, of course, stadiums and stuff, which we'll never see right. again because of pandemic. Uh, and airports, we'll never see them again either. So I'm not sure millimeter wave has much of a future. I'm just joking. Uh, but millimeter wave comes with this tax. And I think that's kind of what Sasha was getting to. And the tax is that it's expensive to implement and it makes the phones more expensive because you need to add extra hardware antennas to make it work. Yeah. And the two chips right now that support it, I mean, there are some chips from, from China as well, but like from, from, from Huawei. But uh, in, for most phones, the two chips that support, really support it is Qualcomm's chips, 865 with the X55 modem and the 765, 765G. And that's it. You can't do a millimeter wave phone without it. So for for... Verizon, who only has a millimeter wave, their phones have to support that. Otherwise, they can't really advertise them as 5G phones. And that creates this huge challenge because it costs more money. Because the manufacturers, like when Samsung made the S20, the regular S20, they announced that it didn't have millimeter wave at launch, Correct. that they were going to make a special version for Verizon. And sure enough, when it came out, it's $100 more, right? Yeah. Same with the OnePlus 8. The OnePlus 8 millimeter wave, the ultra wideband version for Verizon is an actual different phone with different volume rocker and 
power lock key positions, you can't use a OnePlus 8 for Verizon case with a regular OnePlus 8, even though they look very <laughs> similar. There's also a difference in thickness and height, I think. Anyway, it's crazy stuff like that. And to me, it's kind of annoying that in a way that these manufacturers are bending over backwards for Verizon on this. Like Verizon's really needs to get somehow get some low and mid band going and then give people the option to spend extra for millimeter wave if they want it um, and not force the manufacturers into it. I don't know. It's, it's a weird situation. I feel like I'm back 2010, you know? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel your pain and I agree. I think if you're looking at it from a consumer perspective, absolutely, that would be the right, the right thing to do, right? Depending on where you are location-wise and, and what your needs are that you get, uh, you get to, to choose and you get options. From a manufacturer perspective, it's really hard not to bend that works when when yeah. you're dealing with Verizon. They're right? big, and, and I, <laughs> exactly. And you know very well that you know they. It's not just they're big in terms of you know how many people you can reach, but you know what it's like to lose a slot in the portfolio, right? right? They, yeah, they take you off a shelf. This is it. And I understand OnePlus, right? Their phone costs a hundred dollars more than the OnePlus Eight regular unlocked or T-Mobile version. And yeah. because of this extra and being a different phone, essentially a custom phone for Verizon. And I get it. Like they, it was their opportunity to get a second carrier in the US and they did it and good for them. But I feel that the consumers that, first of all, you don't need millimeter wave 5G because it's only in like a few blocks of a few cities in the US. So if you're yeah. on Verizon, stick with LTE. Their LTE is super fast. You don't really need a 5G phone. Buy a 5G capable phone that's future-proof maybe but do you want to spend a hundred dollars more on that one plus which is a hundred dollars more or do you or or the s20 which is a hundred dollars more and when i look at this galaxy a71 as excited as i am that finally we're getting a 765 phone from a mainstream manufacturer in the u.s that's 5g four carrier i look at the price 649 and i'm like that's way too much money mm. You know, and and it's wonder. You know, it's funny because when you look at the hundred dollar difference, it feels a little bit. When do you remember when we had tablets and the difference between uh, Wi-Fi and cellular plus Wi-Fi? Yeah, there, yeah. You know, kind of. Apple came up with a hundred dollar difference, and everybody else follows suit. And until this day, even though we don't really talk about tablets and or you know connected tablets anymore, we, we're moved on to the PC and connected PC. But that hundred dollars difference seems to still be there. So you know these kind of decisions stick for a long time. I do wonder though if uh, you know as other carriers uh, do become more welcoming to mid-range phones, even in the U.S., and we started to see some of that definitely with, with T-Mobile, if the pressure is going to come on uh, more. Because, you know, the combination of, well, for the majority, to your point, for majority of Verizon customers, um, the return is not obvious and they have a premium. I mean, the, the, you know, the one in, and one makes it minus three instead of plus. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. I don't know. I feel like Verizon's in a tough place because I can't recommend to anybody to get a five G to you know to go to to bother with five G on Verizon you, right now. Anyway, I can in the future, but you know, not right now. And that's the problem they're going to have, right? It's true that it's more costly for them, but the more they're engaging in this kind of you know millimeter weight tax, for for lack of a better description. Um, 
the more they're not recouping that cost of the infrastructure. So something has to give. And and the only, you know, if you go back to 5G, sorry, to 3G, that yeah. was also the case, even in Europe, right? That you had that yeah, yeah. extra cost because the network was so expensive to roll out. But the, the carriers had to move on and decide that actually volume was going to make up instead of, you know, increasing, inflating the, the price. I think what's going to save Verizon on this, um, I mean, they don't need to be saved, but for this particular <laughs> issue, right, is is that if they can get some of that spectrum for low band, mid band in the fall when the the auction that's yeah. coming up, because then they can really do it. Because look, if you, this is the interesting thing is if you look at T-Mobile and AT&T who primarily have low band, but also have high band, and in the case of T-Mobile has all three, has mid band as well, most of their 5G phones don't support millimeter wave, even though they have some millimeter wave networks. So it's yeah. interesting to me to see that maybe a year or two down the road, if you're an AT&T or T-Mobile customer, you'll buy a flagship for $1,000 or more, which will have millimeter wave. Or you'll buy that 765 mid-range $600 or $500 phone that only has low and mid-band on their networks from them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. I think that's going to be how it stratifies. And... It's interesting to me that Timo and AT&T are pretty much already there. Like they don't talk about millimeter wave anymore. They did early on because that's the first yeah. thing they rolled out. But I think you can only get one phone on T-Mobile that supports millimeter wave. And I believe it's the Note 10 maybe, but it's it's kind of weird, right? So, so it'll be interesting to see what Apple does as well. Well, right? exactly. Apple is going to definitely going to, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, they're going to have to make an ultra wideband like, sorry, a, a millimeter wave version for Verizon, for sure. Yeah, right? because otherwise there's no Verizon iPhone. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, and I would be surprised for economies of scale, knowing Tim Cook and his operations um, guru-ness, that he'll only make one skew for this market, like Samsung did with the S20 Plus and the S20 yep. Ultra, which supports millimeter and low band and mid band, and then all the carriers can have it. Which makes sense, right? Because at that point, you're you're of a flagship, the top of a yeah. Top it's expensive these... anyway, so you might as well go nuts, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of expensive, speaking of Samsung, uh, the other big news of the week, other than the Nord launching on July 21st, is that Samsung's going to have the unpacked event on August 5th. And yeah. we all know what that means. That means Note 20 is coming. Note 20 flavors. There'll be potentially a Note 20 Ultra that was leaked last week. We discussed that briefly on the show. Uh, what are the other rumors you've heard? Uh, well, I was reading the tea leaves of the of the um, actual little animation that they tweeted, and uh, it looks like, apart from the color, the this kind of copper. That copper, color, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it looks like a new S Pen. Um, and if you look at you know the drop of what I assume is ink dropping yeah. from the pen, but the um, if you look at the design of the pen, it looks chunkier. It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Apple pencil right. uh, type. Uh, so it would be interesting if if we are seeing a different design of S Pen for um, for the Note. But you know the 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 other uh, big rumors aside from the Note was obviously the the leaked picture of the Fold. And so the right. other question would be: Will we see both at the same event? 
how they're going to talk about it, how they're going to differentiate them. Um, yeah. is a, a lot for an event. And I, for me, you know, a lot of time, actually over the past three months as we've gone through some events, I spend equal amount of time analyzing the actual event as I do the products because it's fascinating to see different brands tackle announcements in a in a very different way right you especially have, in this pandemic right like where yeah, we're not going to yeah. be going anywhere for the first time for an un- unpacked event right yeah yeah absolutely because you've seen different you know oneplus was one of the first that had the you know a launch event and and uh for the eight and and they try to replicate the kind of a you know we're on stage but is an empty theater type of uh, experience yeah, and then yeah. you had apple that embraced the theater but then everything was you know kind of polished rears for wwdc and even before for the ipad um you know so it'd be interesting to see what samsung does and and you know like even just simple thing as to is it going to be hosted here you know virtually but here or virtual but in korea or somewhere else in the world yeah uh, obviously the note is a very us centric device right when it comes to sales the us yeah makes- and it goes back to what we're talking about expensive phones like this is going to be i mean and if that fold comes out which is supposed to be i mean rumored to be called the z fold which is combining the z and the fold it basically will be the fold 2 in terms of its design and evolution right. of the original fold even though it might have the word z in it you're right these are expensive phones that are very pop they've been very popular in the US uh and i think a lot of that is because of our carrier model because in europe it's really hard to justify spending money on a s20 ultra or note 10 plus or whatever it's called and, and note 20 ultra when it comes out because you you're paying up front for that terminal and yeah. what do you really get? Like, that's much better than an A-series or even an entry-level S20, right, at this point. The pencil, yeah, but, I mean, whatever it's called, the stylus, the S-Pen. But the S-Pen, this is a thing that I think is really interesting, right? How LG is making all their phones work with styli- styluses, yeah. whatever you call them. Um, and it doesn't matter. You just buy, an, it's a standardized Wacom, whatever, digitizer tablet thing. And you yeah. buy multiple models from multiple companies, including Logitech or LG themselves. And you can use it whether it's the Velvet or the V60. Um, but Samsung, you know, still doesn't support the pens, uh, the stylus on the on the S Pen on the S20. And they really want to milk people's, you know, wallets for that stylus functionality. And I I feel it's a little misguided, honestly. Even, even Apple supports the pencil on their cheap iPads now, right? True. I think the iPad is a, is a bit different. Uh, but, I, you know, in fairness, I do think that Samsung is kind of protecting the note to some extent and the uh. the buyers of the note um they are they always talk about it. if you remember when uh, you know when there was the uh, exploding note battery issue oh, yeah. um they you know they they talked about their note fans as the best fans that they have the very loyal customer a kind of a, a, a kind of a breed of their own uh in in a way um and the love for the pen and so it'd be interesting to see if there's something you know if you remember from last year there was quite a bit of work that samsung put into notes the the their own version of of yeah, evernote yeah, yeah. so to speak 
And so it'd be interesting to see if they do something more this year around that um, for just to stand out, to make the notes stand out more, you know, so that it's not just about the hardware and the yeah. pen support to your point, but, you know, the if you like the full experience is richer and, and more specific for people that do actually use the pen a lot. I think you're right. That would make sense. It's interesting though that despite the note users being their most loyal customers, Samsung decided to remove the headphone jack starting with the Note 10 last year. Uh, <laughs> I mean... But they have the buds. They need to sell the buds. Come on, Miriam. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. The buds are honestly my favorite affordable true wireless earbuds right now, the, the Buds Plus from Samsung. I feel that they're the The, the Plus best, was a big improvement over the previous version. The best rounded package you can get. You know, if you can't go wrong, the sound's good, battery life is amazing. Um, you know, they're affordable. They do work really well. They have great a value on feature because of the software that comes with them. Uh, and that works on any phone. I was using it on a Pixel for a while and now on OnePlus. So pretty impressed, honestly, with the Buds Plus. So that's essentially the big news was, you know, uh, the, the, the unpacked happening August 5. So stay tuned for more coverage from that, obviously. I want to touch back a little bit. I know we're bouncing around the topics, but that's the way this, con I, like, I, like, <laughs> I like having a conversation and just rolling things. We talked about the Pixel 4a being mission in action, and it feels to me like they've lost that opportunity, that window of opportunity. Do you think do you think Google is misguided in their pixel strategy because it feels completely messed up to me? I look, uh, there there's so many pieces to kind of pull apart on the strategy side. I, at the end of the day, I do think that um you know, if you're looking at the attention, there's two things with the launch, right? The attention that you get from a launch perspective and then, you know, how much can you actually sell? And I think that the attention is more of a problem uh, for the 4A being delayed than not the sale opportunity. The sales opportunity is still there if they get the market, you know, the go-to-market strategy right. Um, you know, there's still previous Pixel owners that will be interested in, in a, an upgrade depending on, you know, what the phone has to offer. And I'm not talking 3A to 4A. I don't think that that would be enough for people to upgrade. But, you know, previous generation of of even regular pixel um but the point about the 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 actual launch and launch and the attention is that i feel we're getting here in the us we are getting into that high end you know part of the of the year as far as news is concerned right, right? you're starting with the note and then whatever the the, the new fold is going to be called and then you have the iphone season so exactly. from a from a window of opportunity of when come out they kind of have now. There's July. I mean, they have to launch now or they're screwed. Like, I feel like they're already, like, I'm willing to genuinely understand that they might have not been ready in May because of, like, even though we've seen a lot of leaks, there was some last minute issue, right? That's fine. That's possible. Although that's, again, very Google. Like, how can they mess that up? You know, by now, they've been doing this long enough. But at the same time, I'm willing to give them a break. But if they don't launch this phone soon, like, you know, like Andrew Martinick said on Android Central, I'll link to the story in the show notes. This, this is they can't they can't launch it alongside the five unless they call it the five A, right? But then, yeah, you feel like you're getting a, a year old product. I mean, with a new most name. people won't know. I mean, us, yeah, the people listening to the podcast, you and me, and the media, 
I don't know. The problem is you write that it'll reflect in the reviews, right? We'll all be saying, oh, look, it's the Snapdragon 730. Right. Um, it's getting along in the tooth. And that's actually my 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 beef. Originally, I thought that the 4A was going to be a... Because, you know, 765G, I was I was gung-ho that 765G was... Or, and 765 non-G, the, the 5G chip from Qualcomm, the affordable one... Um, well, there's a 690 as well, it. but the, that was going to be in it because, you know, it had been announced yeah. in December and it would come out in May or something. It would make sense. And then the five, when it comes out in October, I figured it would be 865, oh, right? It has to. But right? now it's been, the rumors have been, and we have some more leaks of the Pixel 5, by the way, uh, design, which, you know, whatever, look at it. It's, it just looks like a Pixel to me, but we have leaks of the Pixel 5 saying for a while now that that's going to be 765G. So then the 4A, and all the leaks on the 4A has been 730 or 720G. And and I'm like, how is Google going to f- get out of this mess? Like, unless they launch in the next two or three weeks for the 4A. Or maybe they do decide to skip it. Or they skip and- it or they retire it completely. And, you know, honestly, I feel like if they launch this now, Carolina, they can't launch it for more than 299 yeah, the price is going to be a, a big issue. Like, I mean, the SC killed them. And maybe that's yeah. why they didn't launch it. Because the SC came out around the time they were going to launch for $400. And it completely obliterates everything in its path because of that A13 Bionic chip, right? Yeah. And I also think within the Android community, um, you know, when you're looking at some of the products like the, the products from TCL, we'll see what, you know, we had a, a Moto G announcement in Europe. Uh, this week uh, with um, oh, yeah. with 5G, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, um, there was no indication as whether or not it's coming to the US um, as part no. of the launch. But, you know, same discussion that we've had, maybe in a year time or six months time. But bottom And that mind, is a 765 phone, by the way. It's correct. called the Moto G 5G Plus. It's 400 US dollars translated from euros. Uh, European model. It's basically a, a Moto G series, but the highest end possible with a 765G and 5G yeah. support. And that's what we need. We need that so bad right now. The Moto G is ripe to be a 5G phone in the US. Yeah. And and uh, absolutely. And and I think, you know, your point about the price point for the uh, Pixel 4a is that, is that when you have 5G products that are coming in at anything between Three hundred and five hundred dollars, depending, you know, how strong your brand is, is really hard. You know, how many people will be prepared to pay a premium just because it's called Pixel? Well, that's what Google seems to be counting on, and the, with their strategy, there's, I mean, the three A was kind of an outlier, I feel, but the four was overpriced what it delivered. I finally switched from a Pixel to a OnePlus because I can't deal with what they did with the four. The camera is stupendous. I absolutely have no issues with that. The camera is gorgeous. But yeah. I feel that this design, although it's, I think the back looks great, the sides, the color, and the materials are great. This ma- this massive forehead on the phone looks ugly. And yeah. I think it's a minor thing. The biggest issue I have is, and I've been saying this since the thing launched, uh, and it hasn't been fixed since the thing launched, which has been nine months now or 10 months. It's that I can't use this phone for a lot of my day-to-day apps that still haven't switched over to the new um, biometric API. So mm. I'm stuck with having to use a password manager or enter passwords in banking apps and stuff that only support fingerprint sensors. And this is, again, Google's fault for not making API that transparently works. Apple, when they switch from Touch ID to Face ID, they 
you didn't have to recode your app. It just worked, you know? Yeah, and that's the part where, you know, as our, when the Pixel started, the rest of the Android market was more fragmenting as far as UI and, and you know, everybody was trying to put their stuff on it. And, and some vendors still do like OnePlus, but they're doing a much better job at it, right? And so you don't yeah. really feel actually that, getting Android uh, on a Pixel gives you that much of a better experience unless they do work together better and they give you the kind of things like you're talking about from an API perspective that you would expect to be best in class on a Pixel, right? We see that that on their own services. And so you see that with, you know, with Google Assistant and Gmail and all the rest of it. But that's not Android. That is the services that are running on top. So why cannot Android be that? And, you know, you know the, the, the separation of church and state that sometimes people talk about. And it's like, well, you know, Pixel is a separate entity and, you know, and they need to keep it separate because there are all the other um kind of licensees on on the Android side uh, that are are working. And so it's important to make sure that they don't have favorites. Reality is nobody thinks that's the case anyway, right? And and I've been saying this for a while and I I know know, it might not be a popular um, uh, kind of point of view and and (laughs) it doesn't reflect a a, a kind of a... um, I'm not trying to be negative as to what the Pixel team uh, is uh, doing or uh, how it's made up. And it's not definitely a reflection on on the work that Rick is doing with the team. But I do think that we are at the time where, you know, somebody like Hiroshi on the Android side should have more involvement on the Pixel side. Is working for Microsoft, right? Is yeah, working for yeah. Surface and Panos having visibility over Windows. And they have a similar setup where they have partners and OEMs that are using the software. You know, yes, they might be a little bit concerned, but as long as they see the benefit of it, which is clear, why not? Why not have more kind of work together between uh between android and and so pixel. You know, Hiroshi yeah. and, and pixel with rec i think that the whole ecosystem would benefit from that yeah absolutely i feel look the reason i'm so critical about google and the pixel products is not because i'm trying to be mean and you know, because I have an axe to grind. It's because I love <laughs> Google's products. I'm deep Absolutely. into their ecosystem. I was along for years, I only used Nexus phones as my main phone. And then I yeah. switched over to Pixel. And this year, the 4 just does, I'm ready for the 4A. Actually, I would rock a 4A based on the description all day long as my main phone right now. I'd be perfectly happy with 730G. I wouldn't miss out on 5G too much. And I like the rear fingerprint sensor. And if the main camera is any good, which it will be, I'm in, I'm good, that's all I need. But it's not there. And the four is flawed. It's so expensive for what it is. It was expensive at launch. Of course, you could get deals after that, but like they completely missed the boat. And but if you talk to them and you hear what they say, they seem to be la la land. Like they've no, they don't seem to have any concept of how they messed up the four. Yeah, you know? I think that's the concern. Is that you know, if you're looking at the, and I'm with you. I I I think we both. What we're saying is that the potential that a great design has 
uh, to bring all the services and applications and and the the gut, if you like, of what Android plus Google have to offer is so huge that it is a missed opportunity and it is frustrating uh, when you know what it could be. And it yeah. is not, uh, to your point, it's not that you're, you know, that they made they couldn't do it because technically they couldn't. They Correct. didn't do it because they made the decision not to do it in a certain way, right? And so to your yeah. point, it's like, so how did you come to that conclusion? Well, I think they're beating their own, they're, you know, they're beating their own path. They're driving their own direction, but that direction is completely out of tune of what reality is. And that's, I think that's a reflection of Silicon Valley. It's a reflection of the Bay Area and San Francisco right now. And not just right now, but in the last few, you know, half a decade or so. I think people are out of touch. They have no idea what's going out there, going on, you know? It's unfortunate. Um, I want to kind of wrap up with a couple of smaller topics well one is one of them is smaller but the other <laughs> one is is actually a big one we could have rolled that into the discussion on the note 20 and the uh, potential upcoming folding phone from samsung on august 5th at unpacked and that's the snapdragon 865 plus that's plus. been announced today big news we're going to get a 10 percent improvement in performance so that's kind of cool it, the pace of innovation that you're seeing on the chipset side is is so fast right now and if you you know if we go back to the point you made earlier about well we were in hawaii a year no not even december you know last yeah. year um and um we're definitely not going to be in hawaii this year but, ah, sadly. <laughs> but you know so much has happened since then and to your point about you know when when we start to talk about the a65 and then the 765 and and where you are now and you know to me is um you know, I can see somehow beyond the um, the early adopters why people might feel a little bit unsure about when to jump into this 5G wave. Yeah. Um, because if you are buying a phone that usually you keep two, three years, it feels like, you know, if you're invested last year, it's already obsolete. And so it'd be interesting to to see what some of the vendors uh, are going to do in that high-end segment where, you know, people are used to the 18 or 24 months upgrade. Um, some are on 12, but it's the minority, even in the For high sure, end, yeah, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So what are they going to do to help keep up with that pace? Because, you know, a 10% improvement in performance is a big deal. And it's so, also it, probably a 10% improvement in price. <laughs> I, I, and that's the point, right? And so what are you going to do for me as far as trade-ins and, you know, and, and value uh, in to get me that carrot that is going to get me to, to get on the I new? I think for consumers that have a lot of liquidity, like a lot of, you know, disposable income, they yeah. just don't have to concern themselves too much about buying a phone. Um, I think subscription-based setups like Apple and Samsung have yes. or even some of the carriers have is probably a good thing. And and I feel that I wouldn't go with the carrier one myself. I'd much be more likely to go with um, ideally what I'd love to see is a subscription base from something like Best Buy or Amazon or even B&H Photo Video, uh, uh -huh. the smaller uh, 
yeah. you know, shop in New York, based out of New York, that does a lot of online sales. I would say New Egg, but they're kind of gone now. So, uh, but because that way you you wouldn't even be tied to having a specific manufacturer. Just one brand, right? yeah, absolutely. The carrier one, I think people should avoid because you never should lock yourself into a carrier. That's my, you know, I'm a big fan of unlocked phones for a reason, and I recommend unlocked phones to everyone for a reason. But I think that right now, if you're an Apple user, it does make sense almost, and you have the money to spend yeah. on a new phone regularly, it makes sense to do the subscription base. Even I've been, you know, because Apple doesn't send me devices because I'm not a big enough fry, I've been buying the Apple products uh, and basically trading in because you can get a good return on your value if you trade in often. You do. Yeah, that's what I do as well. And it's actually quite good. And so I think that's one of the ways to go. But the other way to go, you know, and this is kind of a good segue to the final topic, is to buy a phone like the Redmi Note 9 Pro Max, which I got a review and it sent to me. There is a, basically, the Note 9 Pro and the Note 9 Pro Max from Redmi are very similar phones in spec. Uh, their naming is just different based on markets. I think India has the Max and the rest of the world has the Pro not non-max and those this that's a 200 us dollar phone and i've been playing with it for a week now and i can tell you with certainty carolina that you can you just you don't need more than that you need nothing else in your life than that phone to be a hundred percent happy it's fascinating because it's a snapdragon 720g it's um got four cameras in the back it's got uh, a whole punch camera so it looks all modern and uh you know it's basically great for the money they even has google pay has nfc it works it's just fantastic and it's 200 us dollars you can't go wrong you know yeah and and i think to me that is the the excitement of where the market is going um, if you're thinking that, and, and I know that we are spoiled and I know that, you know, a lot of the people that might be listening to the show are more into that higher end type market. But if we're thinking about what everybody else is using and the needs that we have, and especially during the pandemic where, you know, you've hear, you, you've heard a lot of, uh, discussions around you know the cost of broadband fixed broadband um yeah. the lack of fixed broadband right uh -huh. that, that a lot of people still are facing uh and you're looking at working from home and you're looking at um distance learning and of course you can't do everything on a phone but you can do a great deal on i mean a phone. i'm telling you carolina this is blows my mind this thing has a 5000 milliamp hour battery it has a nice ips panel it has a fingerprint sensor on the side which i'm right-handed so it works for me because you know you can't do an optical on an ips panel and i mean the camera doesn't suck carolina xiaomi <laughs> knows how to make cameras it's a 64 megapixel quad pixel binning setup it has a macro and an ultra wide but no telephoto but because it has so much pixel uh, resolution you can zoom in two to three times digitally and not lose too much it's i i was really asking myself like do i want to make this my daily driver for a while like just to just to be able to prove to the world that i don't need anything else it checks every box it has a headphone jack even and so the reason i bring it up is this is not a new phone this phone came out a few months ago but poco which is a sub-brand of Xiaomi, like Redmi. Mm -hmm. Although they say they're independent now, that supposedly they've been untethered from the mothership, um, has been, you know, 
known for making really cheap phones with super high-end specs, and they did that with the Poco F1. But in this rebranding of the Poco, from going for Poco phone to Poco, they launched basically three phones. And the one I mentioned earlier in the show is the Snapdragon 865 base one, and that's the F2 Pro. And that one is, is a monster beast. But this Redmi Note 9 Pro that I just mentioned, that's $200, is now being rebranded by Xiaomi as the Poco M2 Pro. And honestly, you know, who cares about the branding? Now you have the choice of buying the M2 Pro or the Note 9 Pro from essentially Xiaomi. And you're getting this $200 phone that's just unbelievable. That's what I'm getting to with this. It's just, it makes me happy to know that if the worst <laughs> things were to happen economically to many of us, I could tell them right now, you need a phone and you don't want to spend any money, buy this. And I can absolutely guarantee you, we'll have, you'll have zero complaints on this thing. See, what I'm excited to see is the difference that these devices and these price points will make in other markets as well. Because obviously, clearly $200 in the US is different than $200 in emerging markets. Yeah. But that kind of democratization of the smartphone that we've been talking about for a long time, it hasn't really happened. You know, it's starting now with this price point and the lack of compromise that you're having for all the reasons we discussed at the beginning of the show. And uh, and that is what is exciting because the power that a phone like this gives to, you know, a, um, a gig economy type worker yeah. um, is, is immense. Absolutely. I mean, this phone is obviously not available in the U.S. You can import it. I'm just saying like it exists and it works in the U.S. And you're getting a good deal if you want to buy Unlocked and you're on AT&T or T-Mobile. Forget it if you're on Verizon. But still, still, like, (laughs) wow. I mean, it's got me very excited about the future of phones because even though my heart, you know, I mean, sure, my OnePlus 8 Pro is an incredibly wonderful phone, but do I really need that? And that's why the test will be, if I get a OnePlus Nord, will be to try out that for a while. And that's why I was so tempted to put my SIM into this cheap Redmi $200 phone for a while because I'm like, this is where most people are at. This is, you know, the average American is going to continue going to a Verizon store and buy an S20 plus for thousand whatever dollars subsidized over payment plan, right? But there are a lot of people who don't can't even dream of doing that, and they go to Boost Mobile or whatever you know, um, Metro by T-Mobile, and they buy this crappy LG phone. And I'm no offense to LG, but it, I could have said anything here, Alcatel, yeah. right, whatever, right? And they're not crappy per se, but we know we can get so much more for our money, and this is proof of it, you know. Yeah. And and this is the hope as well as, you know, obviously the market in the US, especially in the current climate when it comes to the, the relations with, with China, um, is not conducive to more and more brands breaking into, you know, the, the market as For they sure. have done in, in Europe. And uh, which is why, you know, as I was saying earlier, the, the market there is so much more vibrant, but it's also fascinating. And, and this, you know, we can do a whole different show on it. Um, the the kind of a pace on innovation that we've seen in this space and this price point compared to what we still not seen on the PC side, right? And so if you if you have $200 to spend between, you know, a Chromebook or um, a phone like the one you're talking about, um, the, the return of investment that you get from the phone is so obvious. And, right. and that lack of, of uh, compromise that you would get in, you know, during the, the uh, 
kind of a pandemic and the, the lockdown, you had a lot of people just going out getting devices for their kids in the US. And, you know, and there are Chromebooks out there for, you know, $150, $200. But the camera is poor, the mics are poor, you know, the the, the result that you have from an experience perspective is extremely poor. That's not the case with these phones. And and that is what is fascinating to me. And, you know, I'm I'm waiting to, to see what that impact is going to be on markets like the PC market. Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely going to be fascinating. And I think that India in particular driving these prices down and other developing countries and, you know, pushing us into making phones, us manufacturers into making phones that are more affordable is absolutely a good thing. And I hope that the US starts to benefit from that in some way or another. And that's why I would have liked to see the 765 come sooner to the carriers. But hey, you know, we should wrap up. So. Do you want to tell the audience where they can find you online and where you write and all that? Yeah, with pleasure. I have a, a weekly column on techpinions.com. I tend to cover news from all sorts of areas, from uh, kind of a future work to mobility. Uh, and then I have a columns on a column on Forbes, where I focus more on uh, kind of social corporate responsibility, diversity and inclusion in tech and, uh, and education. Uh, and then you can find me on Twitter every day at caro underscore Milanesi, M-I-L-A-N-E-S-I. Yeah, you folks should all follow Carolina. She's good people and we love having her on the show. It's so good to have you back. Serious, like I love how deep we can get together. It's (laughs) awesome. I'm always super impressed by how you keep all these numbers and models and chipsets all in your head. (laughs) I'm a big nerd, that's why. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) I think that somebody needs to make a card game uh, for phone nerds or something (laughs) like that. It'd be fun. Anyway, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. I like the comic book character Tankgirl, but without the vowels. So if you want to talk with me about the podcast, like comment on the podcast, corrections, all that stuff, interact about this show. Since it's not really easy to do on podcast platforms, please hit me up on Twitter. Instagram is for photos of phones that I'm playing with, photos of phones I'm using, etc. I also take photos with the phones and post them so you can have a look at what that $200 phone can do. And um, there's also a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast that has some visual content that go along with the podcast. So things like unboxing videos, sometimes reviews, sometimes hands-ons, fun stuff like that. Check it out. Please subscribe, like, tell your friends, all that good stuff for YouTube that really helps. If you're new to the show, you came along because you know Carolina or whatever, and you want to subscribe, there's many Anyways, the show is at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Spotify, pretty much everywhere. So just type Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl and you'll find the show. And please subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. If you're on a podcasting platform that lets you review or rate the show, please review or rate the show. It really helps us a lot. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is there is a donation link in the show notes. You should be able to click on the links and uh, you'll find a donate link there. Please consider donating. It's a PayPal link. It helps me out and it helps me 
make this show happen every week. Finally, I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning. And if you want a good deal, they're here for you. If you love books as much as I do and you like reading, but maybe you're a delivery driver and you're driving all day long, you don't want to listen to podcasts the whole time, but maybe you want to read a book, as it were, read in quotes. Well, guess what? Audible's got you covered. They have an incredible selection of audiobooks and they have a deal for you. So 30-day free trial and you get a book at the end you can keep one and whether you stay or not you get this deal and at the same time if you click through the link that i'm going to give you in a second you support the show so if you want the best audiobook platform in the world if you want to support the podcast check out audible if you're not already a customer uh, the link that i'm mentioning is audibletrial.com slash mobile tech that's audibletrial.com slash mobiletech. Check it out and uh, please consider clicking through. I've got it in the show notes as well if you can't type that in fast enough. <laughs> and I want to thank Audible for being with us all this time and just helping us out. Thanks so much. And Carolina, thank you for being on the show yet again. Pleasure. And we need to do this more regularly. I think the last time I was on, we still talked about the... Um, the McLaren phone from OnePlus. Oh, it's that's been a while. right. It's been a while. Wow. There's a 60 McLaren. Yeah, we can't that's... do it only when OnePlus is something exciting. It's so funny. <laughs> I actually didn't check to see what the topics were. That's fun. All right, folks, stay tuned. We'll have another show next week. And until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com